buys the boat and then Dave sells the boat. Really? I did not yeah. know they said that. Who they actually, that? they who actually say that. that. that that's who, a thing. Who says that? That's a thing. It, it, it points to the fact that maintenance is always an issue on a boat. Who says it though? Oh, but it's a that, thing. Isn't that the same with children? Like the happiest days when you get it and the, the, the then they move away from <laughs> home. That's you, the second. So. <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty sure that's not a thing. Although it could probably be. But it yeah, no, be, I heard you that. You could literally apply that to everything, though. I guess like a house. But, but hot tubs a take book, maintenance. So the best wait, boats wait, take, boat. what about a twelve pack of vanilla Coke? Hey, you're happy when you buy it, and oh yeah. Think about and it. Then, why? Why? Why would you be upset yeah, when you get rid of the? You'll be happiest when you've drunk like one, so you have the taste, but you still got like eleven to go. Yeah, I could see that's the variable. That's you know that's what they say <laughs> about vanilla Coke. About vanilla, I'm just telling you that you know hot tubs take maintenance. So if you have a hot tub on a yacht. And yachts take maintenance, and hot tubs take maintenance. It's just going to be a nightmare. Eric, you know what else takes maintenance? What? Keeping up appearances with Sansa Stark. Ooh. She had to dye her, epi- her gown. She I had to know. dye her gown just to get the stain out of it. Or she didn't even get the stain out. You just I can't know, see the stain. Sansa. We've all had to do that. <laughs> yes. Yes, I've dyed my, my clothes before. Every time... I think about clothes dying. I think of the elephant clothes Harry was forced to wear in Sorcerer's Stone. It's truly Game right. of Bones. Oh, right. Potter yeah. reference at the beginning. Yay. 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 Was it the Grunnings uniform? Was that it? Grunnings, not, the drill Grunnings. company? Grunnings is where, you know, Grunnings mm. is where Vernon works. What is it? Smeltings. Yeah, smeltings. he doesn't go to Smeltings. Dudley goes to Smeltings. I wonder he what goes his life would have been like. Stonewall. Okay, I'm going to stop looking at knives. Okay, that's always You were good looking plan. at knives? Yes, I was. Just a, to cut. Is that a precursor to the boat? No, no. Listen, it's a hot tub boat, but it's just it's just a boat that fits a hot tub, and it's right like you can control it with a remote control. The hot tub. Yeah, well, the boat too, because it's already the same thing. That's pretty badass. That's like a James Bond yacht. What is the speculation? I, all- <laughs> <laughs> so we're at King's Landing. We're in the throne room, but we it's are. been stripped. It's been stripped bare. Okay. Speaking of Moonraker, it's like the surface <laughs> of the moon in the throne room. Because everything's been stripped bare since Robert's death. All of his favorite tapestries are on the floor, unceremoniously thrown into an, uh, an, an untidy pile. And our heroine, which is spelled the same as heroine, yes, and Sansa I, Stark. I never know how to say it. I know. Sansa Stark is wandering the throne, the sort of the back part of the throne room, right before the first council meeting under Joffrey's reign. And she's kind of looking around at the different people that have gathered. And mm-hmm. oddly enough, we, we figure out that she's been given free reign of the castle, more or less, as long as she is, um, I want to say chaperoned by these honor guards. And the reason for this is that she's basically off on good behavior. So Queen's, Queen Circe knows that she is not going to go anywhere, that she's harmless, and she's played right into her hands with writing all those letters, um, you know, to her family. and. So as a as a way to I guess reward her, Circe has allowed her to to go places instead of keeping her in that room. What do you think Circe thinks about Sansa at this point? Very low. Very like why lowly. do you think she's even keeping her around? Because you saw how easily she got rid of um, Jane Poole. Right. Well, it, you can't just get rid of a Stark like that, especially when they're their family. True. I guess like, she's kind of like a bartering chip, isn't she? Yeah, definitely. But I don't think she she views her as being harmful at all. That's why she's letting her walk around, 
you, you know, and where does Sansa go? She goes and picks flowers and goes and prays in the, in, I know. you know, so, so it's so like, clearly <laughs> the queen is right. You know, she's, she's not, if it were Arya, Arya would be, you know, trying to find Master Pharrell if he were still around and like plotting some kind of, you know, plot against the queen. No, the queen <laughs> knows honest, that Sansa. Sansa is probably the only person who could have survived like that, just being who she is, because someone like Arya would get herself killed or thrown in the dungeon or something like that, like <laughs> within the first ten minutes, you know? I, yeah. I feel like Cersei does fear her, though. I think she fears everyone, which is what that it kind of fuels her kind of crazy behavior. You know what I mean? Like she's always looking mm. over her shoulder, like oh, there she could come out to get me. You know, she could be more pretty than me. You know, I hear I hear everyone thinks she sh- she's so pretty. You know, I, <laughs> seriously, no, seriously though, I think that yeah. I think that her insecurities is or are not sure which one we should use there. It's what fuels her character to be the kind of character that she is. It's very she's, Snow White, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I was I was just thinking Maleficent. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking that. Minus the um, mirror. Cersei-lificent. <laughs> Cersei-lificent. I ship that. But um, maybe th- maybe that's why the... Uh, Don't we all? <laughs> maybe that's why the um, the honor guards, you know, these guys that are sent to guard her, which I think is kind of insulting, really, because... Um, you know, the, these, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird, but like seriously trusts her, but doesn't really trust her, but trusts her enough to let her out of that room. So I think she's doing it for her, for her son, you know, because at this point, Joffrey is still right. on the docket to marry her, you know, yeah. and it's Joffrey's first, I mean, this whole, this whole chapter is basically a peek into Joffrey's first true open council thing in the throne room as a king. So he's gathering all of these people that need to come pay homage to him and he's he's laying down a list he's like here's a list of people that i believe must come bow to me because they're butts and then so he goes off and and starts spouting names off this list and i thought to myself joffrey didn't write this list he doesn't know any of these people (laughs) it's a laundry list of all the bannermen essentially who are threats or whatever right but then Um, he but then he's like also Arya stark we need her too. Like he's just going down a list of people that he needs, and you know he goes from important people to people that are just, uh, just strictly around Ned and just strictly around the Starks and mm-hmm. just strictly around who we know Cersei doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, this is the first time Sansa hears about Arya. Speaking of that, um, which leads her to deduce. I mean, she would have heard about her sooner if she'd asked about her. Um, but she's just kind of, you know, the moment had passed and she didn't know where she was. But now she assumes that Arya escaped. Um, because if she's being summoned to pledge fealty, it means they don't have her. Or that she's not knowingly dead. Right. Which so, is better than being... I mean, I'd rather be missing than being know- knowingly dead. Is <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, good. She's not knowingly dead. We can move on from that part. Well, I know we give Sansa shit, especially because she didn't ask about... Arya, um, in her first encounter with the queen after her father had been taken. Um, but I, I did want to, to, just to mention here that when she did, would go about the, when she would go about the castle and, and pray, um, she would sometimes pray to the, the gods that she was familiar with, but also she would sometimes go into the godswood because the Starks have the old gods and she would pray for her father through them. And I thought that could have been, you know, a little bit of a redeeming quality for her. Um, maybe. Although I think it is like interesting with Sansa and it almost, it almost, mm, I don't know. I mean, I I love Sansa now, but at this point in the story, it's just, it's hard to, to be on her side. And I think one of the things that struck me, especially in the first book is how she almost, 
seems to disassociate herself with the Starks a lot. Like she always feels like the odd one out. You know, like she well, with her direwolf too. Well, that that's true too. But I think yeah. just in terms of she thinks about herself as a younger version of her mom, her mother, and I think that she always she feels more like a Tully than a Stark. So she's always thinking of her dad's gods as not her own. And so I think that you, you that kind of came to light in this in this uh, chapter when she would go to the Sept and pray because that's where you pray and then she's like oh yeah maybe i should go to the forest too right <laughs> i i don't really i don't have i don't mind sansa that much because i understand things like not asking about aria all these small bits that were like mm, these are kind of questionable character traits i feel like she kind of gets a free pass because all of these things are happening and she's right in the lion's den of it she's not off in yeah. winterfell she's not off in her own world like aria is like she's seeing it happen to her father, to her family, and also to someone she's about to marry. And in, in the mind of a young girl, you know, it's... Yeah, she's, she's a 13-year-old so, girl, Yeah, she's know? so impressionable, and all these things are happening. So I I personally don't feel like the way she's handling the situation is altogether too terrible, because it's really terrible what is happening to her, and she's still walking around and being normal and trying to see some happiness in life, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, she's she's holding on to her innocence almost... Um, almost desperately so you know she's almost she's she's holding on to it and sort of putting putting little shutters over her eyes to avoid seeing anything that might make her have to reconsider her her stance you know but in a way i guess that's kind of bravery as well it's it's stubborn but it's brave well as we find out too at the end of the chapter she's actually kind of spent this time preparing to speak to joffrey and the queen yes um, which, which you know, really wasn't evident until she starts walking forward, and I'm like, oh look, Sansa has something to say, you know, after all that other stuff in the throne room happened. Um, so I, I guess it is pretty brave to be doing what she's doing. But in this chapter, she steps in front of the council and asks if they'll give her father basically a second chance after what he mm -hmm. did. I mean, and we are on his side, so we don't really see the weight of what he did, but essentially he stood in front of the king and said, you're not a king, you're a bastard. You know, right. that's pretty extreme. And she's standing in front of that same bastard going, Hey, my dad's in a dungeon. Let him out. You know, yeah. he, he had a broken leg. He was upset. He may have said some things. Yeah. But I mean, this whole time she could very easily be put under the knife, just cut her head off or throw her in the dungeon because she knows Joffrey's mind isn't in a good place. She was on the river. She saw what happened, you know, and she knows what happened to the butcher boy afterward. Like she has perspective, but again, like Selena said, she's just kind of covering her eyes and hoping everyone just kind of comes out smiling and not too many people get hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An interesting thought, actually terrifying uh, realization came to me when I was reading this chapter with Joffrey's first court session and uh, the initials Joffrey Baratheon JB are like Justin Bieber. <laughs> what? Same, same, same initials there. Justin Bieber, job. Um, so for the, for okay. this whole chapter, this whole chapter when Joffrey was sitting on the throne, I imagined it was uh, Justin Bieber going like, "Hey, girl." Oh hey. my god, Eric! That's, you realize that I'm never going to be able to unsee this now. I will you, unsee it immediately. <laughs> that has to be photoshopped. We have to get a Photoshop photo. Of no one do this. Justin Bieber oh, no. on the please the Iron Throne. We got to do it. Um, <laughs> anyway, Mike is not here to keep Eric in check, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's out I'm fighting free. White Walkers at work. <laughs> I'm free. It's um, Friday. We do things. It like, is free Friday. Free Friday. This podcast is free only today and every other day. <laughs> you God. listen to it. <laughs> High quality shit, people. High quality shit. And we have to kind of give a... Sansa is inside of the throne room. It's scary. She's looking around. 
And if you guys can remember from the television show, those of you listening, this is probably one of the most well-depicted scenes from book to film that I can think of. Yeah, namely for what happens, which is the the desolation, if that's the right word, of Barristan Selmy. Oh, which is harsh. It's really harsh to read. It was more sad in the book, too. I mean, because... I mean, they the 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 jibes at him seemed a little bit more extreme when you could kind of I don't know feel the emotion through the text rather than seeing you know the cuts they chose. Mm. Yeah, and you can kind of paint it in your mind, and he's just standing there, and essentially, like literally, Joffrey was like, "You're too old." To his face. What I you like old about man. It, <laughs> what I like about it though is that he never becomes pathetic. Like, you know, oftentimes, like, this is the, a kind of trope scene and in some ways where you have the young people sort of suss out the old, um, telling them that they can't do it anymore and all that. But Barristan was always, always had the upper hand, even as he felt himself be humiliated. Maybe because we saw it from Sansa's perspective. And for once, she wasn't siding with the young, good looking one. You know, she was right. actually seeing, she's beginning to see sense now. It's really a turning point for her, really, this chapter. Um, but yeah, you you sort of you you saw him through her eyes, and she didn't. She felt sorry for him, but she didn't pity him. You know, she didn't find him pathetic, and there therefore, I don't think we as the readers found him pathetic, which was good because it was hard enough to read as it was. He did seem more pathetic in the show, didn't he? A little I mean, bit, but I think it's pathetic. just because you got to see you see saw the look in his eyes when he realized what was happening, which we kind of were spared from here. I think. Right. I just I think the pacing was a little bit faster too. Like here he's able to completely explain all of his oaths, all of the times he's fought in battle. You know, and he's like, I've done all this and I have nowhere yeah. to go and now you're going to give me a house and a, and people to bury me like what the hell. Also something that we missed in the show when he stormed out. It was kind of a bigger deal because, you know, he, he did the the entire line where he was like, even now I could cut all of you down. So yeah. look out yeah. look out for that. And he storms away and then Joffrey actually sends the guards after him to have him thrown in jail, and we didn't hear that in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, to question him, I guess. To seize and question. Or just to, to seize him because he talked back, you know? Right. Exactly. And there's all that you're right. And what you were saying about Cersei, too, like being afraid, there's all these potential for people to be plotting against her. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it seems kind of a dumb move for her to keep making more enemies. <laughs> well, um, you're right. But speaking about that, I think the Lannister family in this this single move has become unstoppable. Um and that is because they have in Ned Stark's place uh placed Tywin Lannister as hand of the king. Jaime Lannister replaces Barristan Selmy as leader of the King's Guard, and the Hound, who is not even a knight and won't be a knight, is on the King's Guard now. And he's uh, what sworn to protect Joffrey, and now Joffrey is king, and Cersei is head uh, is now on the council as well. All in this this chapter, they announce all of these appointments, and it's Lannisters in power. And I was just blown away by how quickly all of the Lannisters get the top positions in in the kingdom. Duh, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean right, well, right. yeah, okay, okay. I tried, I tried to make it sound profound, but <laughs> what you just, you just ruined my, my, my shot there, Zach. What is the Queen Regent going to do now that she has absolute power? Lover brother is now the head guy. Um, daddy is now the side guy. Like it's all working, you know, according to her plan. <laughs> um, now, I guess the only thing I forgot to mention there was that the Queen's taking the place of Stannis on the council. Um, and he's listed as the traitor Stannis Baratheon. Um, 
I don't remember exactly what may have caused this or if he's just he fled and that's that's why he's being treated as such. Um, Isn't it because he believes Ned? Didn't well, I he think, get Ned's letter? And didn't he fled? And hasn't he? Flee? No, he has, he, he was not King's Landing. That was a uh, that was Renly. Speaking with that was Renly, right? We haven't, Renly we haven't met um, Stannis at this point yet. You're right. Um, so yeah, the Baratheons, you know, kind of Beast. hanging out elsewhere. And during some of these appointments, um, the people in the audience were like mumbling and stuff. And I assume that to just mean that people really realize that one family is is quite largely controlling if they didn't already which you know ned was concerned <laughs> yeah. about well the dichotomy of the kingdom was so strange before because you always had tywin with his fingers in the jar like he was always making the moves that he wanted i mean at the end of the day mm-hmm. his daughter is the queen and he didn't necessarily know about the bastard situation with joffrey and the other kids i, I mean i'm sure he didn't um but no i'm pretty sure he doesn't know right but still they're so much in debt and Robert is sort of a pushover, but not really. So they always had sort of a strange hold on the kingdom. And I think that the people in the council and the people that had any sort of like perspective on the powers that be always knew the Lannisters were some assholes that were doing some stuff. But now this mumbling is like, okay, now here we are. Now they have their full seat. Now we're going to see some shit happen. So the mumbles are kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much um, all I got except to say that Sansa does come forward. And and ask for I guess leniency or mercy, um, in the case of of Ned Stark, her father. So this was just the chapter where I began to to like Sansa. I think you know, in retrospect, like, I can look back on earlier chapters and I can I can see why she did what she did. But until this point in the book, I was just like, oh, Sansa, <laughs> you know. But then this happened, and she actually began to to make some progress. I think, and to show that she didn't only care about herself and her social position and it was really great to see and especially the way that she thought about Sir Barrison got me a lot of respect for her. And Sansa was playing the game as well because in her whole speech, you know, she was doing the womanly sort of winks and speaking directly to him. <laughs> I know. And, and and that was in the book. That was the narrative a in the chapter. A secret little smile. Yeah, a secret little <laughs> That was only he, for him. And he bit too. He bit. He was he like, bit. your sweet words have moved me. I'm like, <laughs> ah, I see. You know, it, it's clouded judgment in his prepubescent age. I see, Joffrey. It's it's funny because she's standing there, and we you know we've we've we know that she's clever. She's Ned's kid, and she's Arya's sister, and the whole the whole batch of kids are are. I mean, she's a main character. We know she's clever. Yada yada yada. But you know, she pulled out the whole milk of the poppy bit. You know, and she's she's a little young to be blaming something on drugs, but it was it, <laughs> seriously it totally made sense because that was one of the things I feel like it cemented in the minds of the people around Joffrey. Okay, we're gonna give him a chance because he he could have been on some of the poppy. Pycelle loves that shit, so he probably poured <laughs> it on pretty hard. You know, so they're like, all right, we'll let him talk again, and and then everyone <laughs> just sort of let Joffrey make the decision. You know, which was an odd decision, I think, considering how crazy he normally is. So my question is, if you guys were Joffrey in this situation, you know, and you had his personality, blah, 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 what decision would you have made regarding Ned Stark? I don't think, I mean, his decision confused me a little bit because I was fully expecting him to, to just completely embarrass Sansa at this point, because I got confused as well with the show, like when this happened. So I thought this was the moment when he totally called out Sansa in front of everybody. Um, so I think if I was Joffrey, I would have just been like, hell no, <laughs> to be honest with <laughs> That's you. That's what I'm saying. Like, what about you, Eric? 
I don't know, this little, you know, pretty stark girl, Ginger, is, is giving me some, a, <laughs> secret, a secret smile, smile that's just for me. Sweet spot. So, don't watch true. Doctor Who. Don't watch, don't watch new Doctor Who with Amy Pond then, because you're like, oh. it'll be a letdown when it's all over. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, um, you were saying? If it was me, if I were in the situation, I think I would go with Selena and I'd be like, listen, I'm the king. This guy says something bad. I'm just going to either leave him in the cell for a long time to make an example or we can behead him, whichever. Probably the cell, though, because honestly, what good does anyone do dead? Anyone. Um, manure. Well, but when he's 13, like he's he's in the position, though, at the same time where like it's kind of like instant gratification. Like you see, see how much power I have. See what I can command that people do for me, you know? Well, he should have made him his new fool. I'm getting really yeah. into this. <laughs> this is a yeah. dangerous game. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Right? No, but you're right for pointing that out that Sansa's playing it. I think um, the thing of it is, too, though, is that Joffrey's a little bit confused about what Ned was saying, which is weird. You know, oh yeah, he is. He, he had to ask his mother afterwards. He was like, "But he said that I wasn't the real king, and that's weird." And he's like, still commanding. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, if he wants to apologize, sure, you know, we'll hear him out." But the other thing is that um, the queen is is a little disappointed in Sansa. Um, Sansa may have her wandering privileges revoked after this um, because uh, the first thing that the you know is said back to Sansa after she first comes forward um you know Sansa remember what i told you about um traitorous blood you know and <laughs> and and uh, she's just like i have nothing else to say and of course then the the rest of the council tries to belittle Sansa's request um like little finger and and Varys is like playing the game too he's just like oh well, you know some of the smartest stuff comes from the words of babes i've heard you know like he's just trying to milk it everybody's trying to milk it it's it's really weird it is Sounds but weird. it's a game it's interesting it is a game games are weird <laughs> sometimes <laughs> this game has interesting rules like Jumanji. especially the ones of thrones Dude, Jumanji mm. is the strangest game ever created. That movie used to terrify the shit out of me when I was a which little, scene, was on particularly TV. which one? I, th- th- you know, th- I think it was actually the one where they were playing the game because, like, Wait, and it sucked him in. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. yeah. I'm gonna have that kind of sucks with the stampede or monsoon in your lagoon because that shit got cray real quick. Um, I just I didn't like Van Pelt. He reminds me too much of Tywin Lannister. I think. Mm. If I were a betting man. And I decided to bet my money on what could be the most hellacious own of this show, of this chapter. I'd have to give it to Littlefinger because, you know, this entire chapter was full of jibes from the people on the side council. And I feel like it probably wouldn't have been allowed if Robert were king. But Robert's away and everyone's playing. Like, the king is supposed to be speaking. But these dudes on the side are like, you know, they're making fun of Sir Barristan. And I don't remember the line exactly, but Littlefinger was making fun of Barristan, you know, with his eyes and with his laughs and his little bearded chuckle. But then Barristan drops his breastplate and he's like, man, I'm out of here. I don't need this breastplate anymore. You guys fired me. And then he's like, oh, you'll probably have to do it naked or something. And everyone just like <laughs> uproars with laughter. I'm thinking, this is terrible. Like, this yeah. is, this is, this is the Senate right now. This is, this is your structure. This is your rolling class. They're making jokes about, you know, their head dude who'd been serving his entire life, you know, mm-hmm. and he gave perspective. Yeah, he gave perspective. He was like, I gave up a sweet wife that I could have had. I gave up everything just so I could do this. And now, at the end of it all, you're just going to fire me. It's supposed to be to the death. And then he challenges Littlefinger to a duel, and Littlefinger wins, which is really strange. That didn't happen, but if it did happen, it mm. would be strange. It says a lot about Littlefinger, though, doesn't it? Just that that line right there, that he's willing to 
just do anything for a quick laugh for people. I'm so, so glad that he didn't lay his creepy eyes on Sansa in this chapter he and could make have. some remark about her her mother, <laughs> but like to her. <laughs> right. I'm just like, because that's that happens, I guess, towards the end of season two in the show. So I'm just like, I was I was thinking about it when I was reading this chapter. It says a lot about his character that he's going to kick someone when he's down. Because exactly. I seriously doubt he would have said that line last week, you know? Exactly. That's what I, yeah, exactly. He, he's such an opportunist. It's to the extreme. <sighs> the word I was going to use, yeah. And Varys, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I love when Varys walks in and George uh, literally again is like, Varys is walking into the room, you know, scene, interior, night. Varys is walking in. His footsteps cannot be heard. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> just pit pattering with rabbit's feet oh my across gosh, the ground. I know. Var- the descriptions of Varys are some of my favorite parts, even though they kind of gross me out. Just the way he's described, but it's amazing. Did you have an own, or do I do have an own? I do. I'm not just hedging my way past the owns without. <laughs> um, no, my mine has to be a Sir Barristan because um, he is actually one of my favorite characters in the entire series. Um, he. Sir Barrison looked up sharply and said, A hall to die in and men to bury me. I thank you, my lords, but I spit upon your pity. And my fist went, Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) So in the modern day, he basically told him to screw off. Exactly. He's such a badass. I love him. I spit upon your pity. (laughs) I spit upon your pity. (laughs) I hope hope this guy gets to live to see another day. I hope so too. It isn't said in this chapter if they've actually seized him. That new uh, ugly guy with the two ugly sons was going to go get him. Slint, is it? Janice Slint, no, not, yeah. Is it Slint? Yeah. yeah. Who's newly appointed. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just hope this guy, I'm going to second that own and just say that <laughs> sell me really, really just. This is because I stole your word, isn't it? Stood up to it, yeah. No, I was going to say that anyway. I think this whole episode should just be called The Desolation of Sell Me. <laughs> Hobbit reference, I got it. Okay, I like that. Um, but yeah, Selmy is just really he he can handle the demotion well. He storms off, maintaining all of his dignity. He does. Um, He's so brilliant. or most of it, minus yeah. the jab by by Littlefinger. Yeah, minus the breastplate. I love the actor <laughs> yeah. too. I don't remember what his name is, and that's kind of embarrassing since I brought it up. But I love him. I think he does. He did such a brilliant job. Like you just you just wanna. You just want to believe him. You know, you just want to be on his side. It's Ian McElhinney. I just wanted to bring that in there. But yeah, mm-hmm. he's brilliant. I love him. I hope that he plays in the new Warcraft movie because his voice sounds like something that needs to be a voiceover character for like some knight, like a proud king or something. There's he just looks such, like such a nice yeah. person. Yeah, that Dude, too. I hadn't heard that. I knew about the new Guillermo del Toro with the big, big giant titan things, um, but I didn't know about the Warcraft movie. Yeah, I read about it on hypable.com. That's mm-hmm. H-Y-P-A-B-L-E.com. I was going to say, we wrote a story about that. <laughs> Written by uh, Mr. Jeremy. And uh, it was a, a, a nice article. And I read about it. And it's a website. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. <laughs> That's very smooth. I'd like to read an email sent to us from Gordon Walsh, who you may remember from earlier in the week, who, ah. who, who wrote an exciting uh sort of point of view into our own story, as it were, if you will. He has a little comment on today's chapter. So this is his own. His own for today's chapter, which is chapter 57, by the way, for people that need perspective. I am one of those people. He says, Catelyn's wisdom shines through once again as Sansa's subconscious. It says in italics, he does love me. He does. Joffrey's a psychotic demon midget, and deep down, Sansa knows it too. 
So that's the own from Gordon Walsh, everybody. A psychotic demon midget. Yes. He wrote I think you could you could prove one of those three things. <laughs> and he went on to write uh, more about the small council and, and things that are terrible and it was good. So thank you for the email. Uh, Mr. Gordon Walsh. Thank you, sir. And that's a good example uh to hear that, that it's not only our owns for each chapter that we will read on the show. You can send your owns too as well if you're reading along with us, which you're encouraged to do very, very, very truly much so. Um Send them to us via email or Twitter. Um, the email address is still, I believe, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, contact at gameofowns.com. That's that's correct. I guess I'm not wrong. <laughs> and then Twitter handle, of course, is Game of Owns, the name of the show. G-A-M-E-O-F-O-W-N-S. Well I'm impressed. Done. I'm impressed. <laughs> send us your owns. Send us your comments on the episodes. And check out um, the Hypable forums, I believe. Is there a Game of Owns forum in the Hypable or just? There is. is yes. Okay, yeah. Well, it's not um, a whole forum. This is a thread. I just mean, dedicated. On. There's an entire <laughs> forum dedicated. We have our own forum. Selena on knows some people. We got the yep. we got the hook up. The H O O K space U P, as it were. Wow, we're mm. so good with the spelling today. It's brilliant. I feel like this is a lesson of some kind. I had my alphabets this morning. <laughs> Every episode of Goo is a lesson, ladies and children. So listen. And now it's time for Eric Skulls. Read the tweets in 87 seconds or less. <laughs> Gordon says, praise the Lord above. We've missed you guys. Trailer will drop on January 31st. I just know it. So excited. <laughs> Ryan Callister says, wheels up. Let's the new up listening commence. See us stateside. Camille Schott says, I'm close to being caught up with Game of Bones. I can taste it. So upset with myself for not keeping up, but they podcast like the wind. Johanna, in response to our tweet, where we said Hoss horse meat sausage, she says, it should certainly be surprisingly tasty. Mm. Mm. Deneen Call says, I'm glad you think so. That's in exchange for um, the question of who's more insane, Circe or Liza Tully. Oh, good question. Thank you for communicating with us. STE Taylor says, Shh, I'm trying to listen over here, but I guess we were tweeting too loudly or something. Mm. And Megan who is our favorite person. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Megan, who's... Oh, way to differentiate between the listeners. But last but not least, Megan, who's a, re- uh, a recurring communicator with us on Twitter, says, Game of Owns mentioned me again. Be right back. I'm fangirling. If only she knew she were your favorite. If only she knew. She's our favorite, is what I said. <laughs> our favorite. I want not, a different favorite. We can't not all have a me the and same her favorite. Thing. Yeah, let me find a favorite real quick. I'm going to pick Stephen J. Tay. That's my new favorite. He's a hypable guy, and he's tweeted us twice so far. You know, maybe more. I worked with him in the student shop of my university. Hey, how's your ears, Stephen? Are they ringing? Because we're talking about you right now. (laughs) Thank you, Stephen. My new favorite. My new favorite, ladies and gentlemen. And that was Eric Skulls. Read the tweets in eighty-seven seconds or less. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, Yeah. So listen, iTunes is something that we don't normally talk about when Mike is not here. Because he's out fighting the battles of battles. So I'm just going to throw it out there. Go ahead if you want to. You can leave a review if you'd like. Should should they? Yeah, please. If you want to. It might be nice. We'll, we'll give you secret smiles, Sansa style. Yeah. Yes. And if you put your real name and home mailing address <laughs> into your review, <laughs> well, first off, don't do smiles. that because, because <laughs> <laughs> iTunes won't allow that. If you do leave us a review and say something like, this is a review. I'm making it. You might become our new favorite. So there's that. Yes. It's something to strive for to people. Ladies Me and, and Mike still haven't picked ours. So, you know, two spots open. Two spots open. <laughs> We're half fulfilled, ladies and gentlemen. It's Friday. It's a podcast. You're listening to it. There's nothing else to say. I'm Zach. I'm Eric. I'm Selena. Oh, Bye, there's everybody. no one else. 
I'm Selena. The end. What do we say now? <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Cool. <laughs>